You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode 20, airing on January 9th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can help others achieve their maximum potential. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is your core values. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California, and so excited to be with you here today for the beginning of another week and the continuation of our series on personal leadership. You'll remember from last week's episode, number 19, that I am hosting an entire month this month on personal leadership and the importance of us as leaders and as coaches of being able to lead ourselves first before we try to lead and coach others. And it's an it's a good time of the year to be thinking about that because it's a natural time for us to be thinking about that anyway here at the beginning of the year. And so we're going to be jumping in today into a topic that's tremendously important for personal leadership, which is your core values. But before I jump in there, if you haven't had a chance already to go back and listen to episode 19, last week's episode, uh, where I set up the importance of personal leadership, you may want to jump back and take a listen to that. And you can find that on iTunes or you can find that on our website at innovatelearning.com. Just search for episode 19 and you will find that there. You know, when I think of core values, I think back to my experience when I was trying to find my first job. I was a student, an undergraduate student at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign back in my home state of Illinois, and it was my senior year of college, and I was in the business school, and I was on my, I think, sixth or seventh official major at that point. Uh, I did finish in four years, uh, amazingly, but I was one of those folks that kept trying different things throughout my college career. And I kept going. I started off in the engineering school. I was in the liberal arts school and I ended up graduating in the business school. And I wanted to try everything. I was fascinated with all kinds of different things and really wanted to find the right niche for me and uh, <laughs> probably would have changed a few more times if I had had more time in college. But I ended up at the end of school in the business school. And so uh, you know, senior year came along and I needed to find a job and figure out what I was going to be start, you know, start doing with my career. And I remember going to um, some of the career fairs that were on campus back then and going and talking to the recruiters. And uh, I ended up uh, interviewing with a bank, one of the biggest at the time, it was one of the biggest banks in the Chicago area. And uh, had a, you know, had a really good experience with going up and talking with them. And I remember I interviewed in Chicago with them and um, ended up uh, going back for, I think, a couple of series of interviews and went to a nice lunch with their company. And, uh, and, it, and it was an opportunity to begin a management development program with their bank. And it started off with, you know, being a kind of a, a 
personal banker in a you know one of their locations in Chicago. But the hope was is that as as you did well in that role, that you'd transition into getting into bank management and leadership, and eventually really progressing and and being very well supported in a large organization. And all indications were that that would happen. As I met people in the bank and I saw the people who had you know had been three or four years ahead of me and you you met them and talked with them that that it was really a wonderful organization to go work with and that they would do a lot to support me in my career development and indeed the interview went really well I got an offer um, I remember being I I lived in the dorms uh, at the University of Illinois all four years and I remember being in my dorm room and getting a package from them after they had offered me the job and it had all these great things in it, and, you know, cookies and gifts. And it was, you know, one of those kind of a, you know, come join us. We want to have you sort of a thing. And I just couldn't get excited about the job. Uh, you know, it was the, it was the right, um, everything about the job was kind of like the correct thing to do. <laughs> it was the right move from, you know, having a business administration degree. It was in Chicago. It was nearby, you know, where I grew up. Uh, it was a great organization. It, you know, everything was uh, was perfect, except I just couldn't get excited about it. And I remember thinking about it for a few days, and I just didn't have a passion to go work in banking. And it's not that there's anything wrong with banking. Uh, banking is a wonderful industry to be in, and then there's wonderful things that uh, that industry brings. And, uh, you know, I, I value the, uh, the relationships we have with the people in the banking industry in our lives and, and who advise us. And I think it's a great thing to do in the world. I just couldn't get excited about it. And after a few days, I decided, you know, if I wasn't excited about it now, I certainly wasn't going to be excited about it six months in, a year in, three years in, five years in. And so I ultimately told them no. And it, it seemed like kind of an odd choice to make at the time, but it really connected with what I realize now were my values. And one of the values that I hold very close is meaning, investing my time and talent into things and people that personally inspire me in the world. And I didn't have that opportunity at the bank. And I didn't know that that was one of my values at the time. But boy, that's something that I just didn't have there and I knew wasn't the right fit for me. And instead, I ended up going to work for a company. I uh, At one of the other career fairs, I uh, ran into a guy who was wearing a polo shirt. He were, all the other recruiters out there at this business fair were in suits and ties. And you know, all the, you know, of course, all the students were in suits and ties. And I ran into this guy wearing a polo shirt at a table. He had a bright yellow mat on front of this table. And he said, hey, we're running education centers for kids all over the country. And we're looking for great college graduates who've got good business skills, who are willing to um, get hired, go move somewhere, work with kids, run a team, do marketing, um, do some really cool things in the world and, and learn all aspects of business. And boy, that sounded really exciting to me. And it wasn't the best move financially because I didn't make anywhere nearly as much money as I would if I had gone to work for the bank. Um, and I took that, but I took that job and I moved to California and boy, did they push me. <laughs> that job scared me every day I went there because uh, I was doing marketing. I was doing management. I was doing um, sales, sales and sales training. I was working with parents. I was working with kids eight hours a day. It scared me every day. There was always something. I was getting tough feedback. It was a company of tough feedback, but it was awesome. 
I learned so much and I loved it because it had meaning for me. I was investing my time into talent and things that inspired me in the world. And so I think probably if you look back in your career and the things that have been important to you, you think and you look at how values have shaped the decisions you've made. And I know they've shaped my decisions. And values are something that as leaders, we absolutely have to have clarity on for ourselves. We have to know what's important to us first, because if we don't, we're not going to be able to lead others. So I'm hopeful that today's show will give you some opportunity to start thinking about this. If you've already thought about this and you've done some work around thinking about what your core values are, I'm hopeful that today's show will uh, provide a good reminder and maybe even a little check-in on revisiting this and, and recognizing the importance of it. And if you have never done any done any thinking about this, then I hope that today's show will give you the opportunity to start thinking about it. And I'm going to provide for you several resources at the end of the show today that will guide you toward that. Uh, as you're listening and you have questions about values and what I'm talking about today, though, by all means, feel free to call or send me an email with feedback, and I will be sure to respond to you personally or on a future show. And you can reach me at 877-LEARN-45. That's our feedback hotline. Again, 877-LEARN-45. Or you can email me directly at feedback at innovatelearning.com. Again, that's feedback at innovatelearning.com. Last week, I had mentioned one of the books that I think is a tremendous book on leadership that I continually refer back to, and my my copies highlighted and dog-eared a, a whole bunch, is a book called The Leadership Challenge by Kuzis and Posner. It's in its fourth edition. It's a bright yellow book. And I know some of you, uh, actually a couple of people have reached out to me and mentioned that they are either have read this book or are going to be reading this book as a result of uh, me mentioning it last week. And of course, one of the things that this book talks about is the importance of values. And I'll tell you, probably if you'd talked to me about values 10, 11, 12 years ago, I would have said, oh, you know, that's kind of fluffy, foo-foo, kind of, you know, personal type stuff, uh, you know, kind of touchy-feely type stuff. And I've really grown to recognize the importance of having clarity about values. And one of the things that I really like about this book, and I mentioned in last week's episode, is that these two authors have done a uh, tremendous amount of research around leaders and leadership, but not just celebrity leadership. They've really looked at the everyday leader. And here's what they have to say about values uh, when they look at leaders uh, that they admire and people that they've studied uh, that they say, and I quote here from page 46 of their book, among these most admired leaders, one quality stands out above all else. The most striking similarity we've found, and surely it's evident to you, is that the list is populated by people with strong beliefs about matters of principle. They all have, or all, or had, <laughs> unwavering commitment to a clear set of values. They all are or were passionate about their causes. The lesson from this simple exercise is unmistakable. People admire most those who believe strongly in something and who are willing to stand up for their beliefs. If anyone is ever to become a leader whom others would willingly follow, one certain prerequisite is that they must be someone of principle. 
And I would add to that, that they must have clarity about what their values are and then a willingness to communicate those values and to stand up for those values. And so, you know, I think one of the best ways to understand what values are and how they work is to give you some examples. And so rather than just to tell you more about values theoretically, um, what I'm going to do today is just walk you through some of my values and what things that I found that I value and going through exercises over the years and continually refining my values list. And I did this a couple of days ago again, and I found that I, you know, there are some things that I look at a little differently than I did, you know, the last time I did this exercise. But my values have stayed, I think, pretty uh, centrally focused on uh, in the last few years. And, you know, there's all kinds of uh advice out there of how many values should you have? What order should they be in? I think that's kind of a personal decision. That's up to you. But for me, uh, there's, you know, I like the number five. Uh, Five for me is good. I think anything more than five, if you're looking at your core values, starts to become too many. And I say that because if you are having 10 or 15 or 20 core values, those aren't really core anymore. You know, if if you believe in anything, ultimately you believe in nothing. So I think it's important to have probably five or less core values, things that you really hold dear. And so I'm going to give you an, give you an example and walk you through just five that are important to me. And you may have five, you may have three, you may have four. Um, but I'm hopeful that my example of the things that are important to me and why they're important to me and some examples of how I apply them in my life and my career might get you thinking about your values. And then I'm going to walk you through some steps you can do to think of what your core values might be. So my five are my five. Uh, You know, yours may be similar. They may be very different. These aren't right or wrong. They're just the ones that work for me. So uh, know that this is a very personal process and a personal exercise that you'll go through if you're considering what your core values are. So the first one, and and these are in no particular order. I, I know there are folks out there that say, you know, you have to have your values and you have to have value number one, value number two. I uh, I just like having five. Uh, you know, the five uh, for me are kind of the five key ones that I think of and that drive my decisions on a daily basis. I don't necessarily have them in order, but if that works for you, by all means, go for it. But here's the first one on my list, in, in no particular order, and that's the one I just mentioned a few minutes ago. That's meaning. Meaning for me means investing my time and talent into things and people that personally inspire me in the world. And I am really happy to say that I have had great success in doing this throughout my life and throughout my career. Have I been perfect all the time? No, but it has driven my decisions about just about everything I've done and everything I've gotten involved with, certainly over the last 10 to 15 years. And it started with that first job out of college of starting to think of what are the what's the thing that's really going to drive me. And I made that decision on that first job, not by how much money I was going to make, although certainly I was concerned about that, but I was more concerned about what is going to drive me to get up in the morning and get out of bed and really enjoy what I do and where I can see the connection between what I do and how it impacts people's lives in a positive way. And I got to do that every day for three years in that job. I got to see how the work I would do would help children to learn more effectively, would help parents to become better parents, would help schools to serve kids better. And 
it was a phenomenal experience. And it and it it really tied to my heartstrings because every time I walked into that that business, I knew that I was doing something that really connected me, that had great meaning. And I still try to do that today. In fact, one of the organizations I'm involved with, I'm going to be going to a board meeting later on today, is an organization called the Global Center for Women and Justice, which is housed at Vanguard University here in Costa Mesa, California. And one of um, my wife and I have a dear friend named Sandy Morgan. Sandy is the director of the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. And I'll probably have her as a guest on the show here sometime because I think she's a just a tremendous leader in so many ways. Um, she has been running this organization for the last few years on Vanguard's campus, and she has a tremendous passion for women and women's, um, you know, women's issues in the world, and being able to help uh, women progress and to not be victims and to uh, be be people that are just as valued and as respected and as empowered in the world as men are, and of course. We've made great progress on that here in the United States. There are many places in the world where that kind of progress has not been made yet. And so she, in particular, has a tremendous uh, passion for ending human trafficking. That's an issue she feels very strongly about. And she asked me to be on her board about a year ago. And I said yes, because for a couple of reasons. One is I care about the issues that her organization advocates for. But I'm also tremendously inspired by her, uh, the work she does in the world to reach out to women, to empower women, to uh, try to end human trafficking, which is a horrible, horrible um, practice in our world that those of you who aren't familiar with, um, I'll give you some resources to learn about it. But and, and to the point where actually I've worked with her over the last uh, almost year and we have a podcast that is on iTunes called Ending Human Trafficking that uh, I help her produce. And. But what drives that for me is meaning. I care about that issue. I care about her. She inspires me. Her organization inspires me. And so I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of her doing positive good in the world. And so that that value of meaning for me drives a lot of decisions I make. So that's an example of how our core values can really drive that decision. And that's something that people who work with me and who are led by me know that uh, if I'm going to feel passionately about something and it doesn't have, if it's something doesn't have meaning for me, I'm not going to put a lot of energy into it. That's just kind of who I am. I want something that really has meaning behind it. Another value that I hold dear is sustainability. Uh, this isn't one that would have been on my list five or six years ago, but, um, and sustainability, I don't necessarily mean that from an environmental standpoint, although certainly I feel strongly about that as well. But it's putting my effort into things that will provide lasting, positive change in the world. I really believe strongly in that. In fact, I was talking with a uh, colleague a couple of weeks ago uh, about uh, doing client events. And he, uh, we were talking about a recent event that we had worked on together. And he said, you know, you, I can tell you don't have as much passion for kind of the one-day workshops or seminars um, I, you know, you you have a passion for more the long term relationships with organizations and with clients, and I said absolutely. I I have a much harder time getting excited about kind of one time or one day or you know just you know very short periods of time that we work with someone. 
Um, and and certainly, you know, and, and you know, there's a little bit of a financial, uh, you know, connection there too. Obviously, our organization benefits more from you know having longer term relationships, but even more so than that, I've just found over the years of being in in training and education and coaching now for you know almost 15 years in this industry, uh, I I want to really develop relationships with people where they're going to make lasting positive change in the world. And I don't believe that happens on a one-time thing. Um, I don't believe in quick quick fixes. I just I just don't get passionate about that because I don't see that it really results in sustainable change. So I really get excited about working with organizations and, and clients over a longer period of time because I see what an, an amazing difference is. The, the organizations and clients we've worked with where we've developed programs where they've We've worked with them for you know four or five or six months versus working with someone for a day. It's just it's night and day the difference, and that really excites me because I want to put my effort into things that are going to provide lasting change in the world. I don't want to put my effort into things that are going to be fleeting. I'm I'm hoping that the things that I do really do make a tremendous change in people's lives, and I believe I can do that if we do things in a sustainable way. I also believe really strongly in vision. And we're going to talk about vision in a future episode here this month, actually the episode that will air on January 23rd. We're going to talk about personal vision. So I'm not going to spend as much time talking about this one, but I really have a passion for creating the future um, by building things twice. (laughs) And by building things twice, I mean, you know, everything's built twice. First, it's envisioned and then it's created in person uh, or in in real life. And uh, boy, I see those... um, I see those things that come in the mail once in a while. We get uh, mailings about going to conferences. And uh, I just saw one recently that said uh, someone had the title of being a futurist. Uh, you know, a, a futurist is one of those folks who kind of gets paid for thinking about what, thinking and researching what things are going to look like in the future. Boy, I would love to do that. That would be a cool job to have uh, to to be able to make a living doing that. I think that'd be a, that'd be a lot of fun. I love to plan things out. I love to envision what things are going to look like in the future. I have more fun planning something than I do doing it. Uh, you know, I even you know like to vision out what what's a weekend going to look like, what's a vacation going to look like. That's a tremendous passion for me. So, vision is something that's really important to me. That's part of my core values. As is empowerment. Empowerment's one of my key ones. Uh, I want to give others the confidence to learn, grow and contribute to the world in sustainable ways. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I've hosted this show is I want to really empower people who are engaged listeners to this show to do things that will help them to learn and to grow and to contribute to the world. And as an example of that, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think any of us who do um, shows on the internet and, and, you know, this, like whether you're listening to us a podcast or on the web or on iTunes, uh, you know, there's a way that we can track how many people have, you know, downloaded or listened that week. And, um, and, and I started kind of watching that when I first started doing the show. And, you know, recently I realized, you know, I'm, I'm not that concerned about how many people listen to the show each week. I mean, I certainly would love to have a lot of people listen each week. And there are some people, a lot of, some weeks, a lot of people listen, some weeks, less people. But what I'm really concerned about and my goal in 2012, actually, is not a goal for how many people listen to the show each week. Uh, that, that's of much less concern to me, as is how many people are engaged listening to the show. So I actually have a goal this year of 
engaging more people. And what do I count as engaged? Well, people I hear from, people who email me, people who I have conversations with, people who call us, who listen to the show, and telling us about the difference that we're making in their lives. And I'm grateful that many of you have reached out to us. And my goal this year in 2012 is that we'd have 100 people around the world that were what I would put in the category of very engaged people with the show, people that um, I'm not only having a conversation with, but that people are having conversations with each other and that we have online forums and things set up to do that. And there's lots of different you know, technological things that we need to set up to make all that happen. But I'm really concerned about that, of really engaging people and people being empowered. And so that's one of my key values too. And then I think the final one for me is love. My passion and desire to treat people like fellow human beings. I was uh, talking with one of the listeners to this show about one of the recent uh, comments that he had sent in about, you know, why don't managers do a better job of uh, caring about people or, or treating people well? And I think part of it is just, we just forget to love people. And so I really try to find something that I can love about each person that I run into in the world. Um, I, one of my teachers uh, and mentors uh, I heard speak several years ago, and he said, you know, anytime I run into a difficult person, I just try to find something about them that I can love. And that's something that really resonates with me. Um, and the one of the best ways I love people is I genuinely listen to people. People feel heard around me. And that's the way that I show love, uh, one of the key ways. And love for me is, uh, you know, a key part of who I am. I think when you love people, that you treat them well and you lead them well. So those are my five, meaning, sustainability, vision, empowerment, and love. And some of those are different than they were five years ago, but you know, they're all similar to the things. You know, Some of my vocabulary has changed, some of the words have changed, but those core values haven't really changed. Those are part of who I am. And the more I learn about myself and the more I work with people and the more I grow myself, the more clarity I get around those value. So you don't have to have it all perfectly figured out. When you sit down and figure out what your values are, you can start and you can always adapt and change things later. I've had an ongoing exercise with myself over the last 10 years of changing and tweaking these values. But but if you start, you'll get 80% there. Just sitting down and doing some figuring out what are your core values. And if you've never done that, here's some suggestions for how to do that. So first of all is to uh, write out what is your perfect day. If you could create a day where uh, you would do all the things you wanted to do, um, it, it, what would that day look like? So I would it, it challenge you to uh, sit down, grab a piece of paper or grab your, you know, your favorite computer program and open it up and type out or write out. If, if you could design the perfect day, what would be the things you do? What kind of work would you do? Uh, what would you, where would you go? Who would you have lunch with? Uh, where would you be? What type of interactions would you have with people? Um, what would be the perfect day? What type of volunteer work would you do? And, and if you're able to capture what that perfect day looks like for you, I think that you will find that in that perfect day, you will see some clues as to what your core values are. Another question to ask yourself is, what do you do when you're losing time, what do I mean by that? You know that sometimes you get in that flow 
that uh, that zone where you're so excited about doing something that you completely lose track of time where like three hours went by and you're like, wow, where did all the time go? I was having so much fun doing that. That's something called flow. Uh, and actually, there's a book by Nihai Csikszentmihalyi called Flow that I've been meaning to read for a while. It's on my list this year to read. But um, when do you get in those situations? What are times that you just lose track of time? Those are the times that you're probably connected with something you love to do and it is aligned with your core values. How about this? What events are you most proud of in your life? You know, for me, it's my, uh, it's my relationship with my wife, how we love and empower each other. And so that connects me to some of the values that are important to me, love and empowerment. What events are you most proud of in your life? What relationships are you most proud of? Those will provide clues for your core values. When do you feel most alive? When do you feel most alive? If when you find the answer to that question, that will provide resources and and clues on what your core values are too. And also on the other end too, what makes you angry? You know, for me, people I run into have no compassion for others at all or tear others down or just self-righteous all the time. That makes me angry. <laughs> and and that's because it violates some of my core values of empowering others and 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 love and meaning. And so um, if you find things that really make you angry, those are clues to what your core values are. And then finally, what are you willing to fight for? What things would you be willing to fight for if you saw? For me, if I saw something, someone treated poorly or if I saw a leader treating someone poorly in the workplace and when I have saw that, that's something I'm willing to fight for. That's something I'm willing to say something about. And so what are you willing to fight for? What things, if you're willing to fight for, um, what clues does that provide to you to your core values? And so if you ask yourself those questions, by the way, all these questions I'm going to put up on the show notes here for episode number 20 on our website. So that's at innovatelearning.com. And by the way, one more resource for you. You want to check this out. I uh, it, it, One of the things that's helpful for many people of figuring out their values is kind of figuring out, you know, what are all the different kinds of values out there and kind of, kind of starting to go through some of the more commonly held values. And so what I am doing is I am putting up on our website a list of just some common values that many people hold when we do exercises like this. And and I will say this up front, this is not an exhaustive list. It's, it's not to say that if there's something that's not on this list, that it can't be a core value. Uh, not the case at all. This is just a starting point. It's a list of a whole bunch of different values. It's just to start getting you thinking. So what I challenge you to do is you can download this list. And to do that, just go to innovatelearning.com forward slash values. So again, that's innovatelearning.com forward slash values. You'll download a PDF and it will be a page with all the different values on there. And here's the process to go through. Start with circling nine of them. Circle nine that you like, that really kind of resonate with you. And then once you've found nine, do that first, then eliminate two. See if you can get down to seven. Eliminate the two that aren't as central to you. And then once you get down to seven, then do it again. Eliminate two, get down to five. And those might be the five that you really like. And, and I'd encourage you, if you can, even limit it down further than that. You might get down to three or four that are kind of your central ones. 
get as far as you can until you can't eliminate any more, until you say, oh, I just can't cross that one off the list. And I think you'll end up somewhere between maybe two and five core values. And that, in addition to the questions I've already mentioned here, I think will provide some good uh, tools and resources for you in starting to consider what your core values are. And so this is, as you get clarity around that, that's going to help you to have real clear perspective on how to lead yourself well and is going to roll right into our upcoming conversations in the next three weeks of this series on strengths and blind spots and helping us to identify those. That we're going to talk about next week on January 16th. I'm going to be welcoming a dear friend and colleague, Susan Gerke, who's one of our senior facilitators here at Innovate Learning, and she's going to be walking us through some perspective on some blind spots we can look at in our communication styles. On January 23rd, we're going to be talking about creating your personal vision and January 30th, your 2012 action plan. And just a reminder too, in February, we're going to be talking about engagement and how to engage people in leadership. So again, as I mentioned last week, what do you want to hear? around those topics. What do you what questions do you still have around values and what do you want to know about strengths and blind spots and creating your vision and your action plan? Send me an email or give me a call. You can email me at feedback at innovatelearning.com or you can call 877-learn45 and we uh, you can leave a message there and reach out to me and I will respond to your comment on a future show. And just a reminder, the link for the show notes is on our website, innovatelearning.com, and search for episode number 20. And a reminder that that values list is on the website too. So if you think that might be helpful to you and helping you clarify your core values, go to innovatelearning.com forward slash values, and you will find a resource there that'll help you to get clarity on your values. Hey, if you or your organization would like to improve the coaching skills of your leaders, let us know. We might be able to help. You can reach us at 877-LEARN-45. In the meantime, have a great week. Look forward to talking with you and Susan Gerke next week on Strengths and Blind Spots. Have a great week, everybody.